0: Good morning, everyone. How are you doing on this morning? Good. So just so you know, your parents love you because you can cook them meals. Uh, that was a common thing between all the kids. I have no idea where my son got the fact that my wife is changing because of pregnancy and hormones. I don't know where he got that from. Uh, I got to watch what I say in front of him. I know. I got to watch what I say. And And for those that don't know, that was Grayson's son, Jack. And he was the one leading worship, and that was his son that said, Mama's my favorite, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But it was beautiful. Welcome, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. We love you here at Wells Branch Community Church and are glad that you have chosen to come worship with us on this morning. For those of you online, we see you. We love you as well. We're in this series entitled, Who's Your Trainer?, Who's your trainer? And this idea of understanding that in order to even have relationships with everyone else, godly relationships with everyone else, that you have to be able to identify who's actually training you. And so it deals with how we have spiritual children and discipleship. It deals with how we have uh, relationships with our kids. We've talked about, talked about over this the last five weeks. And so now we have our Mother's Day edition. And so to help, you see two chairs up here. I'm going to ask my mother to come up and help me do this talk on this morning, so if everyone will welcome the evangelist, Dr. Patricia Alford, that would be great. So welcome, Mother, Here's your mic.
1: Good morning.
0: So this is my mother, my, one of my favorite teachers, and she is a retired, actually, principal uh, and has been enjoying life and... Uh, taking care of some of her grandkids at times, but being a grandmother, or momier, as what my kids call her. So this is the woman that, when you hear those funny stories and different things, this is her, she is real. One of the things she does not, she doesn't match my sarcasm. And so for those that know, sarcasm is my language and it is not hers. And so we tend to bump heads a lot. But uh, one of the things I love, and my mom, she raised four boys by herself. Single parent, four boys you know, we had our things. 20 years ago, almost to date, uh, and actually, I'm sorry, make sure if you have questions, you'll see a phone number for those of you, if it's your first time, uh, text, you can text this number and send phone, any questions you have, we'll answer them in Pastor Plex podcast, so it can be about mothers, could be about scripture, it can be about life, whatever you want. Chris loves the question, he loves to talk about those different things, so feel free to do that, but uh, I just finished my first semester in seminary, right? It's been a, this past week was, yeah, you know, it was a lot. And so I'm grateful that that weight has been lifted, only to do it again starting next week for summer school. Uh, Amen.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, 20 years ago, almost to the date, I graduated from high school. And I know for those of you who, who think that I was 25, I am not. Um, I know I look like it though. Thank you. <laughs> But, and that year was like the probably most, that was the worst year for my mother and me. Uh, Because, again, she had four boys by herself. I was the first. And therefore, I was about to leave the nest. And the crazy thing about my mother is that she raised us to leave the house. She did. She said, I want you to be able to stand on your own two feet, all those different things. But that senior year, she acted like it was just weird. Just like, do you want me to go or do you want me to stay? And we used to fight all the time. Like, it was, like, a lot to the point to where I remember one fight we had before I went to school, senior year. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm about to run away. I'm out this piece. Chunking the deuce. See you later. Don't call me. Don't text. We didn't even have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone then. So it even, I didn't even have to worry about it. And so I left the house, went to school. And right after school, I usually come home get my work clothes, but I took my work clothes, because I'm like, I want her to think I left, and so I went straight to work, if you've been in Austin for a little bit of time, you know that we used to have this place called Malibu Grand Prix, uh, you may have heard of it if you live somewhere else, but it was a go-kart slash video game place I worked at, and I'd be there till 12, one o'clock in the morning all the time, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna make her think I'm, I'm gone, right, it was, she couldn't find my location or none of that, and so I'm like, I've been at work for, after school, for about eight or nine hours, and I come home, and you know those scenes in the movies where, like, the parents just sitting down under a spotlight, like, looking at the front door as soon as you walk through? Yeah, it was one of those moments. She was like, where was you at? I'm like, I was at work. And, and we kind of going back and forth, arguing. I was like, I, she's like I'm going to call your job. I'll call my job. I got my uniform on. And, right, and, and I was purposely not honoring my mom, like, not respecting her. I didn't care. I didn't. She hurt me. We had a fight. It's been like this all year. She was acting crazy. And I was like, done. And I didn't honor her. Like I was, I was intentional about being disrespectful to my mother. And I know for a lot of us, we tend to not honor our mothers, not honor people. But again, this is, this is Mother's Day edition. So we don't honor our mothers because, well, they don't need, they, they honor us. This idea that they honor us, they don't need it reciprocated, they honor us. They honor us, and so the the picture painted for me in this to, to really understand is that I can make me a sandwich, and when I make my sandwich, I put my avocados, my pickles, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of salt, right? Cut my tomatoes, slice it right down the middle. And then when I bite into it and I look and I see my son staring at me, Dad, can I have a bite? No, it's my sandwich that I spent five minutes making. It's not yours. Please, Dad, just one bite. And I give him a bite, then what does he say? Can I have half of your sandwich? Ugh. and then he bites the sandwich. He's eating the sandwich. He didn't even say thank you. Right? When we, when parents are honoring their kids, it's easy for me as a child to not say thank you because they're giving, they're giving, they're giving, they're giving, they're giving, they're giving. and giving, they're giving, and not get it reciprocated because they're always doing it. so. It's like, ah, eh, that's what the moms do. But the other one was they don't need our honor. Why? Because honestly, when I look at my mom and Story after story, I could tell you, like, she, she wore an S on her chest. She was a savior to everybody in my mind, and she, she, was super, she was the super mom. Again, four boys on the east side of Austin, Texas, by herself. Like, that job that I had, I could walk home, like, a mile away from my house. I could walk home and get a drug addict asking me for some drugs, a drug dealer offering me some jug- drugs, and get pulled over by the cops asking me if I had some drugs. And then get to the corner and see prostitutes up there. Like, this was my neighborhood. This is what I grew up in, and, and this is what we saw every day. And she did it by herself, going to school full-time, working full And you see all those different things. So she's super mom. She's super. She don't need me. What I need to do, she don't need anybody. She can do it. And lastly, we tend to not honor our mothers because, well, they don't deserve it. For some of us, we may not have had that super mom. We didn't have that mom that was willing to sacrifice a meal or whatever it may have been. We didn't have her sacrificing time. We didn't have her being straightforward. We didn't have her being that mom that liked to cook for us. We didn't have those different things. We had a mom that hurt us physically, verbally, emotionally, and we're broken, and we feel that they don't deserve that type of honor. Why should I respect someone who has never respected me? And I'm here to tell you on this morning, As we study and kind of read through the book of Ruth a little bit, that God called us to love with the love of God, regardless of how we are loved. Regardless of how we are loved. And so I'm asking my mom to open us up in prayer, and we're gonna dive into this
1: text. All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we magnify your holy name. Lord, we lift you up because of who you are, Father. Oh, Father, you know everything about us from the inside out, God. Oh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will forgive us for any sins that we may have committed, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you in advance for your mercy and your grace and your love, Father. Oh, Father, we ask that you watch over us on today, Father. You know us one by one. You know us name by name, Father. Oh, Father, we're asking that something in your word on today be said to strengthen someone, to encourage someone... To restore someone, to lift someone up, Father, to bring somebody closer, Father. Oh Father, we know that all power is in your hands, Father. Oh Father, we thank you on the word for the word on today, God. We ask that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight because you are our strength. And you are our Redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. So if you you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 14. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 14. And just kind of to give you a little background, there's a famine in the land for the disobedience of the Israelites. There's a famine. So this family leaves. They go to Moab because they're trying to get some food. Well, when they go, Naomi and Ruth are some of the main characters, but Naomi's husband dies. Not only does Naomi's husband die, her two sons die. And so now she's left with two daughter-in-laws who are Moabites, who aren't the people of God. And she's about to go back home and she, she has told them, hey, y'all can leave, go back to your homes, go back to your family, go back to the gods you worship, all of that. You don't have to be tied to me anymore. And so this is where this story kind of picks up in verse 14. And it says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung. Everybody say "clung." clung. Clung to her. I want you to understand this word clung and its importance in this text because this word we see several times in the Old Testament, but one of the first times places you see this is when God says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And so we see this idea of holding on to something so much so strongly like a marriage. This is how she clung to her mother-in-law, right, of a different culture, of a different background, a different God that she was used to. She clung to her. And so as you think about that, and as we walk in through this text, think about that type of cleaving on to. And she says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God.
1: So there's, there's a little more background knowledge into that. You all know how we are as mothers, if you're a mother. There's nothing in this world you won't do for your children at whatever cost. It's not saying the father's won't, but it's saying the mother's will. And my son talked about that big S. And it's not so much the superhero, but it's the to having the Savior in you and leaning and depending on Christ in every which way. So you appear to people to be this superhero when really, you're really leaning and depending on God, not really knowing what the answer might be uh, that makes they, uh, what might really occur. And then I, I look at her, and when you really get into the story and read it, it tells you that she told them three times, you know, go, go back to your people, you know. My, my husband's dead, my, my son's dead. I, I'll understand it you know, she's hurting, you know, go ahead and go back to your people. She tell them three times. But if you look at the end of the sentence, it'll tell you that, but when it came to Ruth, Ruth wasn't able to do it. Now, when you look at Oprah, she was like, okay, I'm gonna get out of here because they want me to go back over in this land where the people hate me, they're not gonna receive me. You know, they, they see me in not a good light and all of that kind of stuff. And I realize that every journey you take, you can't take everybody with you. Everybody's not fit for that journey. But I want you to really get into the scripture because here's a mother, even though she needs her daughter-in-law's, She's pushing them away, saying, No, you can go back and do your own thing. So sometimes we as mothers, we still make that great sacrifice where we'll let something go, even though we know we need it or we won't hold on to it. But this is where their strength, their superhero, that that savior being your rock, you're gonna see how Christ comes in and gives this mother the type of strength that she should have.
0: Look at verse 17. It says, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death. There goes that that marriage, that cleave. But death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So first point is this. Ruth stayed when Orpah left. The picture painted gives us three depictions of three different women. You have the leaving woman, the one who's like, I'm out. You gave me my out. I can't do this anymore. Then you have the grieving woman who just lost her mother, I mean, her, her husband and her two kids. And then you have the grieving, or, or I'm sorry, the cleaving woman, the one that just held on with everything she had. My question, my, my first question is to ask you, like, where, where are you? When it comes to that? Are you that person as soon as it gets hard, as soon as you know? Because like she like my mother said, she knew that Naomi, Orpah knew that Naomi didn't have anything. She was poor, she was broke, and she, in order for her to, to make it, that meant Orpah would have to work too. She didn't have a husband or anything like that. And so Orpa, as soon as it got hard, as soon as she saw it out, she was out. Like I'm done. I'll see y'all later on the other side because I'm going back home to my house where I know it's safe and know it's easy. And, and, and what we'll see through this story is that everything that God takes you through won't be easy. Some of us are going through hard situations and we want to leave and, and exit. And God says, no, I literally want you to hold on to this. I want you to hold on to this person. I want you to hold on to that mother that, that was abusive. I want you to hold on because I can fix what was broken, not you. I can mend a relationship, but not you. But you have to hold on. You can't leave as soon as it gets hard. And not any, I tell you, I have, there are broken relationships that I have that I don't want them to be fixed. I don't care. And we get to that point, and God is trying to reveal to us, I want more. I want more for you. I want more from you, and you have to trust me through it. Just because they hurt you, because what, what 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 would happen if God stopped loving us uh, because we stopped loving Him because we feel like we was hurt or something? Every time it, it got wrong, like God, what are you doing in my life? How can I trust you, God? Why am I going through this, God? What if God said, "All right, I'm done with you, then? What if He He did us like we do all of His people? What if we didn't love like God had called us to love, has called us to love?
1: I, let me, Let me add one little thing about. Um Naomi and about Ruth in verse 18 it said and when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her she said okay no more she said no more one of the things that we need to put inside of us is to be determined it's easier to let go and not go through a lot of struggles and so it's easy to say okay you know, she done told me three times to go. I'm going to get out of here. But it's more challenging to say, even though I know the road ahead won't be that easy, I'm going to hang in there. And that's what she did. Amen.
0: Look at uh, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. People saw them coming. They're like, ooh, here go Naomi. Here she comes, that one that ran away. And not only do they see Naomi, they see this Moabite woman that's coming back with her. So she said to them, "Do do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So Naomi's name means pleasant. Naomi means pleasant. And so because of what happened, she changes her name to Mara, which Mara means what? Bitter. She changed, so a bad situation happened, she changed her hand. That's like me having a bad day and saying, you know what, for, for now on, here on out, call me, don't talk to me. Anytime you refer to me, say don't talk to me because that's the kind of person I am right now. I don't want you to talk to me. Who would want to talk to somebody named Don't Talk To Me? You wouldn't want to. So this, she named herself bitter because she didn't want to deal with nobody. She didn't want to be around anyone. She was done. She was finished. You lose someone, like my mother said, she lost her husband, she lost her sons. I'm done. I don't want, to be, I don't want nobody around me. I don't want to deal with this. What does it say, verse 21? Did you want to say something,
1: woman? Yes, it's so easy. It's easier to push people away. And that's what she's trying to do is push them away. And I don't know if you ever went through a storm or had a situation in your life and you don't really want to be bothered with nobody So then you isolate yourself, or you separate yourself from other people. So she's saying, I'm no longer that pleasant person. Now I want you to catch this. She changed her name. God never changes. Sometimes we don't pick up that piece. It's not God that's changing in our life, but it's the fact that we change. And so God didn't change her name to Mara and then cause all this bitterness. Sometimes we get into situations, and because we don't have it like we used to have it, maybe we're doing good financially, uh, maybe everything is just going real good, and then when the storm comes, we think that God is consequencing us. But we don't serve a God that consequences us. But we will go through the storms. And when we go through the storms, we have to know that we know that we know that we know that he's in the midst of that storm with us. Because I'm in a storm, I'm not going to change my name. The same God that was with me before the storm, he'll be the same God that's that's with me going through the storm and the same God with me after the storm.
0: Amen. Verse 21 says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why well, call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Again, a lot, we blame God for a lot of the bad things that happen. And that blaming of God because we don't see our sin, our mess up, our rebellion as the fault. We don't see what we did as the reason of the division and then... We, instead of spending time with God when it gets hard, we spend time away from God. And, and anybody knows, if you've ever been, I, I can fight with my wife we can get into it back and forth. Yes, couples do get disagreements, even the, the best ones. <laughs> but we can get into it. And the more we don't talk about the situation, the more I say, she just don't get it. And my mind begins to go and I feel the enemy talking to my mind, telling me these negative thoughts about my wife. God God is pulling them back, one, from where they ran to, to the promised land. And in this moment, Naomi doesn't get it. She's bitter. She's hurt because of the death. Instead of seeing the life and who God is, instead of seeing redemption through what God can do. She's broken. She's pushing people away. Verse 22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem. At the end of, at the beginning of barley season, season. Ruth stayed uh, with when Naomi became Mara. Um, I kid you not, and 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 maybe it's just me, and and it's funny. uh, This so quick, I'm gonna throw this out there. This is the first time. This is the first time in over twenty years that God has allowed uh, myself, my mother. I wasn't supposed to cry. And my three brothers to be in a, my three other brothers to be in the same church at the same time. <sighs> and people don't see that God, 20 years of this happening, I'm going to fix myself, but God is doing something always, he's always working. And regardless of if you see it, if you see God moving, how God moves isn't your job to do. It's your God to hold on to the things that God has, has called you to hold on to. That's what is your job. And, and allow God to work and move in this situation. Allow God to do what only God can do in this situation. Only God can do it. And for some of us, it's easy to let go. It's easy to not hold on to the situation because it gets hard. And God says, stop operating out of your finite strength. You are not strong enough to hold on to it. Not by yourself. He said, let me be your strength. Let me get you through this famine. Let me get you through this hurt. Let me get you through this rough time. Don't let me go when it gets hard. Don't quit on me because you think that you don't see a way out. We're talking about the God of the universe. He created us. He can go into the natural and do supernatural things. That's the type of God we serve. And so regardless if it's a relationship with your mother. Regardless if it's a relationship with your spouse, with your friends, God is in the business of fixing broken things. Amen. He is. He took this Moabite woman and He's about to use her and allow her to be the reason we even see our Lord and Savior, was through this woman that wasn't accepted by those people, the Israelites. This is the kind of God we serve, that He takes you in your mess. In your dirt, in the mud, your murkiness, and he fixes what's broken. He said, Lean into me. Look at verse, well, we're gonna skip over to chapter four. We're gonna skip over to chapter four. And so, what happened in chapter two and three, we see it tells us about this barley season. The reason that's important is because they're broke, they don't have anything, they don't have money. And so, Ruth is now like the primary earner because uh, Naomi, she's done, she's bitter, she's not working, and she goes to the fields. And she's working. She's gleaning, like basically getting the scraps. She's gleaning in this field to get scraps so that they can eat. And then once she does that, she meets this man named Boaz. And Boaz is like, who is this, this woman out here working so hard like that? He, he, oh, that's, that's that Moabite woman that came back with Naomi, her daughter-in-law. I don't, we don't know what's going on. And this is what's going on through the scriptures. He said, hey, leave some extra wheat out there for her to take so she can have more. And then Ruth and her have this idea. Hey, let's, let's go ahead and try to get you a man. Let's redeem you. And so he, she says, hey, get all dolled up, get cute and go. And so they do all this. And Boaz is like, I want her. I want her to be my wife. But even though she, Boaz is related to Elimelech, the, Naomi's husband, even though they're related, he's not the closest related. And so in order for Boaz to redeem her, to buy the land that they had, and to marry Ruth, he has to first go to the closer cousin and say, hey, if you want this land, you got to take the woman with it." And he was like, I want the land, but I don't want the woman, so you can have her. You can have all of it. And he's over there like, yes. <laughs> right? I get her. And so this is where this story picks up. They've gotten married. And again, understanding that we're, we're, we're called to honor our mothers is, is what we're trying to get you to understand. But the principle, we're called to honor God's people. And we see Ruth... A woman that didn't have access to uh, who God, the God of the universe from birth, she, she experiences God and wants more of him. Amen. Yet the person that grew up in it was like, I'm done. You go back and do what you want to do. So God has a way of bringing things full circle. And we're going to see that right now. So verse 14 says, then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restore. Everybody say restore. restore. Of life and a nourisher. Everybody say nourisher, nourisher. Of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons. And so just so you know, just background, when that, that seven sons come into places, because in their culture, in ancient Israelite culture, like seven sons is a sign of the ideal family. Right. That's what that means. And what she said is this woman who is not from our country or anything, does not have access to us. She's come in and she's become more to you than seven sons. Greater, more ideal. This, that, that right there in itself for them, that's a, those are big words to say, to say that this woman, a Moabite, is more than seven sons. She brings more redemption to, to you.
1: You know, oftentimes when we get in situations and circumstances, we think that the storm uh, holds the power to control us. You know, if the storm is real bad, then things are really bad for us. But through my walk as a single parent, I had to learn that the storm had no power and had no control over who I was in Christ. And there is a poster I saw one time. And the poster said, you never know how strong you are Until being strong is the only choice that you have. And so sometimes we got to hold on to the word of God. And we got to begin to let those scriptures come back to us for our strength. When I am weak, he is strong. When I'm weak, he's strong. He will open up those doors for us. But we have to lean into it instead of pushing our way from it. I got to know how much God loves and cares about me. And the more I know that, the more I walk in that, the stronger I get. Even when nobody else around me understands, remember what uh, the scripture said, they was talking about Naomi and Ruth when they returned. People are going to talk. But they don't know your story. They don't know your life. Hang around with people who are positive and know how to stand on the word of God or people who know how to pray and call on the name of the Lord. I had no superpowers, but God has all power. So we got to understand who he is. And the more we understand about who he is, the better and easier it is to walk through some of the stuff that we can't imagine going through
0: amen it says seven son that has given birth to him then they only took the child and laid him on her lap and be, and became his nurse just so you know this is a very awkward thing to have happened it would be awkward to happen then and it's awkward to happen now that if I was no longer, the picture being painted, that that I was no longer with Sierra because she died, and I bring my mother-in-law with me to this new marriage and say, hey, to my new wife, that I am going to allow my mother-in-law from my previous marriage to take care of my son. That's weird. (laughs) But what God is trying to get us to understand, and I feel this picture being painted to us, is that God doesn't operate in the ordinary. He doesn't operate with how we look and how we see things and how we want things to be and what design we think it's supposed to be. Well, God, this is how I need you to fix my situation. God operates outside of those. And so when we keep because I'm a calculator and I do numbers, I was a math teacher. Like I want the, the, the least route of resistance. And so in my mind, when I have a problem, I trust God to do it. But I want to trust God to do it my way. Amen. Maybe it's just me, but I, I, tr- I trust God can do it. But it's like, all right, God, I think the most efficient way for you to handle this situation for my finances and my marriage and my parenting is this. And I, and I, and, and I know God's just over there laughing at me, looking at me. All right, I got you. <laughs> and, and that's what we see. And so she was hurt. She was broken. Naomi was. And now that same that same situation where at the beginning of the text we see her saying in verse 11 in chapter 1 that she did not have a son to give. That was one of her arguments for Ruth and Orpah to leave. She said, I don't even have any sons. What are you going to do? Wait for me to get another man to have some kids and you going to wait around that long? No. She was like, I don't have any sons. And what does God do full circle? He gives her a son through her daughter-in-law. God will fix what is broken in ways you couldn't even imagine. He will fix what is broken in ways you can't even fathom and think of because he is God. Because he has all power to do it. Stop trying to fix it in your mind and fix it for yourself and, and create these timings and patterns and situations that haven't happened. And God said, trust me. Draw close to me. Do what I've called you to do. and I'll take you to the next place. Verse 17 And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And, And so for those who may not know, this is the lineage of Jesus. This is the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He, through Ruth, a Moabite, allowed our Lord and Savior to come to that. This is why this story is in the Bible, to show God can use whoever he wants. Amen. We keep trying to think to ourselves that, God, do it this way. I'm super saved and, and, you know, I go to church every Sunday and all this kind of stuff. And then as soon as you get out those walls, God can use whoever he wants. He don't care that you come every Sunday and then on Monday through, through Saturday you looking fake as I don't know what. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Y'all, y'all are real all the time, right? We're saved all the time and we, we do what God has called us to do all the time, right? We're perfect. and God can use who he wants to use. And we, we put up this facade like we're perfect, and then as soon as something bad happens, we, we get like Naomi. We become broken, bitter, and we change our names to don't talk to me, or I don't want to deal with this, or, or whatever it may be. Think of your own name, because I know you've given yourself your own names. And, in, and for some of us, the names that we've given ourselves, it may not be a physical name. It may be in our habits and what we're doing, in our actions, in our relationships. And so, last point, Naomi stayed with Ruth as an honored woman. God fixed what was broken. He brought it around full circle, full circle, and said, I got you. Now look what I can do. She's an honored woman now in a house she probably shouldn't be with, but because of Ruth's relationship with God, Ruth, the Moabite woman, Ruth, the relationship, the one that she was pushing away, the, Ruth, because she held on and cleaved to her mother, now she's a redeemed woman. Now she's been given a son that she didn't have, that she thought she wouldn't have. Because God is in the business of fixing what is broken when you lean and you trust in him. And so my question for you today is, will you honor your mother? How are you honoring your mother? I know for some of you, you're thinking, I honor my mother. Cleaving to her with the love of God. Not operating in your own strength and what you can do and how you can do it and your time. But God says, I want you to be uncomfortable in your loving people. If you are not uncomfortable sometimes with how you love people, then we're not loving with the love of God. Again, i, I say that again. If you are not uncomfortable with some of the people that you are loving, if, it doesn't, if they don't get on your nerves sometimes and they don't make you uncomfortable sometimes, then we're not loving with the love of God because that's, what God, that's how God loves us. That's what God has called us to. That's what he's brought us and called us through. And so as we get ready to transition into taking communion, I'm reminded of my mess ups and the relationships in my life, me personally, this is just me thinking about it, that I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to keep holding on to people that are pushing me away. I refuse. Like I, I literally had gotten to a point to where I said, I refuse to pursue people that didn't want to be pursued. And this whole week, Even on this morning, God said, did I tell you to do that? Or did you tell you to do that? Did I change your name or did you change your name? Did I bring you out of all those things or did you bring you out of all those things? And he's humbled me. And he's checked me. And so my challenge for you on this morning in understanding, will you honor God? Will you honor God's people? How are you doing it in your action that you will confess your sins on this morning? your mess ups, your shortcomings, all those things you've allowed yourself to walk through that you wasn't supposed to before we take communion. So take a few seconds, 30 seconds or so, and just pray. God, I need you to remove, ask for forgiveness, whatever it is, however you choose to do it. Please take about 30 seconds to do so. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for fixing what was broken. God, we thank you for loving us in spite of us. God, we thank you for loving us when we push you away. God, we thank you for never leaving us and ever forsaking us. God, we thank you for being God. Even when we God, you, we don't deserve your love. We've messed up, and you love us with everything. So much that you gave your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And so, God, we love you, and we ask for forgiveness for our shortcomings. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given to you. He said, take, eat, all of that." same way he took the wine the cup and he said this is wine but it represents my blood it represents new covenant he said take drink all of it you no longer have to hold on to your past and how people messed you over or how relationships are broken and you want to leave them that way you don't have to do it by yourself God said I got you Got you. God we thank you for keeping us and providing for us and always making the way even though it may not be the way we thought you were going to make. God, I thank you and I praise you for what you're doing. You are God and God by yourself. I love you. I love you God. All these things we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
2: grace and mercy there is nowhere we can hide from your love you are steadfast never failing you are faithful all creation is in awe of who you are you're the healer of the sick and the broken Comfort for every heart that mourns, our King and our Savior forever. For eternity, we will sing of all you've done. For eternity, we will sing. Oh uh-huh.
0: I got back some to my remembrance while I was sitting there that at that go-kart place I used to work, we had two types of go-karts, the go-karts for the kids, the go-karts for the adults. On the go-karts for the adults, there was these things called limiters on them so that you couldn't go as fast as the cars actually, or the go-karts were actually able to go. And so when everyone would leave, me, myself, and some of the other workers would take off. I didn't know how to do it, but they did, and we'd be driving around the track full speed. And what God showed me, he says, when you allow yourself to not mend these broken relationships, when you're not cleaving to the things I've called you to cleave on to, you're limiting what I can do in your life. You're putting limits on how I can take you faster and take you to the next level and take you further than you ever been on before. He said, where I can take you, you can't even imagine. You can't see it because you don't see. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Stop putting limits on God and the relationships that he have you in. Just because it's broken and it's been broken for years doesn't mean that God can't move. It doesn't mean that God can't do. So my challenge for you is as you're honoring your mother or you're honoring your father as you're honoring your spouse as you're honoring your kids as you're honoring the people that God has placed in your sphere of influence that you love them with the love of God and not the love of Joseph or the love of Wendell or the love of Chris or James or or Patricia or whomever. That you love with the love of God. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. We love you here at Wells Branch Community Church. You are now sent. So go. Love you guys.